City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey, everybody. This is Casey Field, your manager for municipal advocacy, and welcome to another edition of City Quick Connect podcast, Legislative Edition. Today, we're going to take some calls from our listeners. Oh, no. Okay. I'm sorry. My producer's telling me, no, we're not going to, we're not taking calls this week. Okay. Well, since we're not doing that, I will go ahead and introduce you to my partner in crime, my weekly guest, Scott Slatton. Welcome, Scott. Casey, Casey, I'll tell you, that is the superiority of podcasts over terrestrial radio, in my opinion. As a, as a longtime listener to terrestrial talk radio for 25 or 30 years, I, I want to hear the commentators, the people who are hosting the right. show. That's right. That's what I've dialed in to listen to. So that's why I love podcasts. I don't listen to terrestrial radio a whole lot anymore. Well, um, maybe, maybe maybe that's kind of snooty. I don't know, but uh, you know, that's just the way I've evolved. Um, maybe uh, one day we'll have enough listeners to be able to take a caller or two. I don't well, know. That's, we do know that we have one new listener occasionally. So uh, Reba that Campbell, our our former boss and colleague so thanks reba for listening appreciate your kind words about the uh absolutely about Listen, the podcast. reba reba thought about this a long time before it came to be as famous now as it is oh yeah as she famous the, and popular she she came up with this and we started it and we just kind of took it and run ran with it and then you know i think you and i have just kind of we we've just developed the talent <laughs> well she uh, if anybody can claim the uh, the birthing of the City Quick Connect podcast, it would certainly be Rita. So absolutely, but I tell you what, I got to shout out our producer Russell Cox. We couldn't do it without him, even though he just gave me the no sign for taking well, callers, the thumbs down emoji. Right, even though that's what he just did. Oh well, we still love him. Um, Scott, let's talk a little bit about what happened last week at the State House, and then let's talk a little bit about what is going to happen this week. So give us, so last week, we had several bills moving through the process. Okay. Uh, let's start with abandoned buildings tax credit. You want to do that? Yeah, so the abandoned buildings tax credit extension that is an advocacy initiative for the association was unanimously passed out of a finance subcommittee last week. It was a unanimous vote. There were a number of business groups in particular that spoke in favor of the bill coming out of subcommittee. Of course, the Municipal Association, we'd already been in touch with each of the subcommittee members to let them know of our support, and that was noted by a couple of senators, including Chairman Ronnie Cromer from Newberry, that uh, we supported the bill. So the bill uh, is now going to go on to the full finance committee where we are, uh, we understand that there are no objections to what it is proposing to do and that is to extend the opportunity for developers to take advantage of the tax credits for another four years. The current law will expire at the end of this year, December 31st of this year. And so in order for stability in and confidence by developers to be able to take advantage of this over the, the course of them starting new projects, we are seeking to extend that for at least another four years through the end of 2025. So 
typically uh, when we've done these extensions for other bills, the Senate in particular has wanted to keep it around two years because what they like to do is come back and revisit those bills or those laws to make sure that they're doing what they were intended to do. Correct. But we were able to get four years, which is a good thing. And, uh, I don't, I think it's going to have pretty, it's going to have pretty smooth sailing in the Senate. I know that there's support for it in the House. So we're hope to, hopefully to get that across and, and done before the end of the session. And that's, uh, Scott, that's one of the advocacy initiatives for cities and towns because that's they've right. been very helpful to developers in cities and bringing more, uh, development in with those abandoned buildings. So that's a good thing. And, and I'll, you know, I want to give a shout out to Joni Nickel on our staff, who's one of our lobbyists. She's been uh, working that bill and tracking it very closely. So appreciate the, the efforts that she's made to see that we can get that pushed through. And of course, other, some city lobbyists have also been good partners with us. So Absolutely. all that overwhelming show of support from, from both the business community and the local uh, government community has been uh, very helpful in making it easy for those senators to support it and keep it pushing forward. That's right. You know, it's always good when local government and business can partner and work together. All right. So the second thing I want to talk about briefly is something that Erica has been working on, and it is this COVID-19 vaccine bill that has freed up um, some money. That was the bill, 3707. That bill was passed by the House, the full House Ways and Means Committee last Monday, and then the House quickly passed it, giving it second and third reading last week. That money free, that bill frees up some money to DHEC and MUSC, correct? Yeah, it actually frees up, it sets aside a $208 million, about half of which goes to DHEC and MUSC for right. vaccine rollout. The other half is going to pay providers like hospitals uh, to actually administer the vaccines to put shots in arms. That bill came out of the House Ways and Means in reaction to the House's concerns about the slow rollout of the vaccine. Right. So uh, that came out of House Ways and Means, got onto the House floor. It was amended to take into consideration as, as the vaccine is distributed across the state, it was amended to take into consideration the poverty levels, racial makeup, yeah. you know, across the state to make sure that it was being distributedly, distributed equitably among the, uh, the different counties in the community. So that's going to go over to the Senate and we'll see uh, what they do with it once it's off the house, well, once it's across in, in, into that chamber. I would right. hope that the Senate will act on it pretty quickly because yeah. they, they're interested in making sure that the vaccine is, is distributed and put in arms as it becomes available, of course. That's one of the, the choke points. Right, that's the problem, uh, just the, yeah. Just the lack of uh, the number yeah. of we got to get it in our state first shots. before we can yeah. distribute it. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Um, and then something else I want to talk about specifically to cities and towns, is S-40, uh, the bill that you've been working on, Scott, that Senator Grooms, uh, Larry Grooms from down in Bono, has been, had introduced. Tell our listener um, a little bit about that bill and what we foresee happening with it. Sure. So Senate Bill 40 was introduced by Senator Grooms that restricts or put some new requirements on cities and towns across the state with regard to getting 
approval from the Department of Transportation before it can implement or change parking plans on state highways. So if your city or town regulates on-street parking on state roads, you are you go through an encroachment permit process now where DOT has largely concentrated on the safety aspects of those parking plans. It has not typically delved into the amount of fees that you would charge for parking, parking rates, metering versus not metering, you know, those kinds of things. But this bill would make that pretty clear that the DOT would be would be getting into diving into those those types of issues with regard to parking plans which right. is while it's not necessarily something new in concept it would make it very clear that DOT would would want to do this and get into that business the other thing that the bill does is well a couple things one thing that it does is require that beachfront parking on state highways in on barrier islands would be free. Uh, that's what the bill would do. Uh, and this is in reaction in particular to the parking issues that that limited beach access or people's access to the beaches uh, last summer after Governor McMaster closed the beaches. Right. And then once he reopened those beaches, in an effort to try and reduce the number of people who are crowding onto the beaches, the beach community, some of them instituted some parking restrictions on those state highways. And Senator Grooms wanted to, to seek a resolution to what he perceived as, as that being a problem. The other mm-hmm. thing that it does is make it clear that DOT can remove obstacles uh, or obstructions that are put on state highways or, and on the on the in the rights of way as well, so that if a city uh, erects no parking signs in the right of way on a state highway, then this would make it clear that DOT has the authority to come and remove those signs. So okay. uh, we testified against this bill as it was written, and uh, it was passed out of a Senate Transportation Subcommittee unanimously and is uh, has the opportunity to go to the full transportation committee in response to the our testimony and our pledge to Senator Grooms in particular and of course the subcommittee members we right. reached out to those beach communities and we're working with uh, secretary uh, DOT transportation secretary Christy Hall and her staff directly to try and come up with some resolutions to the issues particularly with regard to parking on the barrier islands to give people access to the beach. So we uh, have had a lot of good meetings this week. I had a conversation with Senator Grooms yesterday, uh, late yesterday, to let him know where our progress and where we're uh, that we're moving forward. And so we expect that uh, we're, we'll be able to come to some resolution, hopefully without the need for a bill. But uh, we'll just have to stay tuned and, and see how that goes. He, you know, he did. Senator Grooms did state that it wasn't necessarily his intention to uh, affect the parking systems that are in place now or right. even even contemplate messing with parking plans uh, statewide but unfortunately that's what the bill that's what the bill does and uh, hopefully we can mitigate some of the the deleterious what I would consider deleterious effects of the bill 
on a statewide basis and then particularly solve the problem of the beach, uh, you know, getting to the beaches uh, right. after people park on the barrier islands. So, and you know, sometimes, <clears throat> Scott, this stuff, it, something happens in one place and it triggers a reaction for statewide legislation and there are unintended consequences. And many times we can work out what what has happened in that one place, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a this is a case where, you know, there'd been a lot of conversations and meetings about this problem even before the bill was filed. And, yeah. and and Senator Grooms, I'm I, I don't want to I'm just going to speculate that when all else fails, introduce a bill right. that is not good for anybody and that will bring people to the table. Right. To get to get serious about working out the problem, and I, I think that's an example that we we see this week. Right. right. Or, or so last those, week. Yeah. Those. So last week, those things were those were kind of the big things that we were watching. There were some other committee and subcommittee meetings that we followed. Obviously, Scott, you were following. We well, we all were, but you were particularly following a Senate Judiciary sub that talked about tort reform. And it talked about the business liability, uh, COVID liability bill. Yep. Those will likely be up in a subcommittee again this week. Yeah, um, those were, the, those were, were, you know, they didn't take a vote on those. They, they right, did an adjourned right. debate motion on those, which, you know, just stops the debate and they'll, they can come back to it if they want. So the, the tort liability bill is the compromise language that was reached by a variety of stakeholders back in 2018, 2019. When the original bill was filed, it would change the tort liability limits right now from 300,000 and 600,000 to 500,000 and a million. Those are compromise marks, compromise numbers that were reached back then. And of course, the COVID-19 liability bill is one that would protect businesses and local governments from uh, liability claims if they are, if they've done what they needed to do to provide a safe work environment uh, in the face of COVID-19. So that right. uh, hopefully that's going to keep moving forward as well. That's another that's another area where we are partnering obviously with our uh, our business our business friends to try and affect uh, some change. Um so last week in the house they passed the they debated and passed the COVID-19 legislation that that freed up some money for distribution. They also debated a bill to rebid um, or take new bids for the sale of Santee Cooper, but also reform Santee Cooper um, with the board. That took up some time in the House. And the Senate last week spent most of their time on the fetal heartbeat bill or an abortion bill, which they gave third reading to on Thursday. So this coming up week, Scott, let's shift it and let's talk about tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday just for a second. The Senate will not, they call it perfunctory session. It's a rule just for you rule nerds out there. It's rule 1B. Um, they are allowed to to not be in session whenever they feel like there's a, a, a different need somewhere else. And the need tomorrow is hearings by Senate Medical Affairs Committee on the new nominee, the nominee to be the new DHEC director. So they're going to allow that committee to do its work and not meet in session. Wednesday, the House will be in regular session next week, just working through bills on their calendar. The Senate will come in on Wednesday, and on Wednesday, there's a joint assembly, a joint session to elect judges. That will be at noon on Wednesday. They'll both come in before and after 
that joint session to do the work, although I do not anticipate long hours on the floor this week. Um, who knows? That could obviously change. A lot of work is being done by the House Ways and Means Committee, their subcommittees on the budget. We think the, the full House Ways and Means Committee should be taking up that budget in the next couple of weeks um, to send it to the floor of the House for approval probably early March. Does that sound about right, Scott? Yeah, I think their calendar contemplates getting the budget into full House Ways and Means next week which and then i don't know a week or two working on it in, in full committee as you said casey and then an early march um on the floor and then across to the senate where senate finance will start it's will continue its subcommittee meetings and then right. get going in earnest on the budget that's right and um, by that time it's going to be close to a crossover date yeah we'll, we'll be finished, getting finished we'll be getting close to crossover that's kind of hard it's kind of hard to believe the the Senate and the House, and we continue, um, municipal association staff continue to have a presence both at the State House and in virtual meetings, testifying in person and virtually. So we've got all of our bases covered. We are representing and we are following bills. We've got lots of eyes and ears listening to everything that's been going on, following our bills and um, other bills that have been introduced. We Always want to remind you to check um, our legislative tracking system for uh, bills that are of interest to you or you want to know details on bills that we have, uh, we're following. Always read from the dome to your home on Friday. That's going to give you all the information you need. And another reminder, Scott, we are available on text, email, telephone, uh, more Twitter. code, carrier pigeon, Twitter, However you need to get in touch with us, please do. Well, and, of course, Casey, this is Hometown Legislative Action Week. How uh, exciting. So today is the first day of H-Law. Hopefully by now many of you have already received our H-Law content videos in your email inbox. If you haven't signed up, please uh, go to our website where you can get those delivered directly into your email box for the rest of the week. That's where our staff, our legislative staff, our executive director, and our president, Cornelius Huff, the mayor of Inman, will be talking about our advocacy initiatives that we'll be working on the rest of this year and, of course, next year, which is the second year of this, this two-year session. So enjoy those. They're short. Uh, doesn't take a whole lot of your time. And they'll, they're also posted on our website. So if you want to go back to them, if you lose that email, you can do that. But what we want you to do is Share those videos with your legislators so that they can be aware of the issues that are important to you, the advocacy initiatives that the Municipal Association Board of Directors has endorsed, and we are pushing forward. And hopefully they will pay attention to that and ask you more for more questions, ask you questions about that, and we're happy to provide them more information and work with you and them to get some legislation introduced and push forward bills that have already been introduced. Um, Scott, I had a phone call last week from um, one of our mayors, a, a good friend, and he said, you know, Casey, I'm just so tired of these long virtual meetings. I just have a hard time watching things that are so long and sitting in front of the computer. And I said, Mayor, H. Law, this, this year anyway, they're short snippets that provide a lot of information in a little bit of time. You can watch them when you get them or you can watch them later on. And it's not a long 
virtual meeting where you have to sit and stare at your computer for hours on end. It's quick uh-huh. snippets of information that are going to help you kind of get, you know, get a good grip on what our advocacy initiatives are, how they help cities and towns, and who's with us helping us push those through. So Absolutely. I think it's a great, you know, kudos to you for kind of setting up the format and for our communications geniuses for putting it yeah. all together. Yeah, for for just give them a shout out. Of course, our fabulous producer Russell Cox Obviously. is a, is responsible for for a lot of that. Meredith Hauk, who's our communications manager, TJ Lundeen, who is our new engagement coordinator. He is going to be pushing out all this content through all of our products, you know, social media and other traditional products. And then of course Joanna Ayers, who's our administrative assistant who is a uh, is a an important piece of that team. So kudos to all of those folks and uh, we're just uh, we're we just provide them with the information but they're the ones who put it into a format and a and make us all look good and, and it's just the talent, Scott. It's just yeah. we're we are simply just the talent. Um <laughs> well, we simply provide <laughs> provide the laugh, you know, the good looks <laughs> and all those things. Everybody, please stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, get the vaccine when it's available to you, and always check back with City Quick Connect podcast for the latest information from the State House. Thanks so much for listening. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.